It's list season in the college football calendar, and one of the most popular lists this time of year is the coach ranking list. When it comes to Tennessee's Josh Heupel, don't be surprised to see him higher up on the SEC charts than he was this time a year ago, courtesy of last season's 11-win record in year two. Welcome in to the Volunteer State. I'm Blake Topmeyer alongside the Knoxville News Sentinels, Adam Sparks and John Adams. And we are going to be today looking at where we would put Josh Heupel if we were in charge of ranking the SEC coaches from 1 through 14. First of all, John, welcome back to the pod this week. We uh, Last time Adam and I got together, I believe you were out uh, chasing aliens or something on vacation. Did you get abducted? Were you joined by the little green men at any point in your journey? Yes, uh, I didn't get abducted. I did get a jacket that supposedly looks like it would fit one of those little green men. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was at the UFO watchtower in, I think it's Hooper, Colorado, which pretty much is the middle of nowhere. And a woman named Judy, I did an interview with her for posterity's sake. Been doing it 23 years, had 30 UFO sightings. She she alone has seen 30 UFOs? Judy has? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that, was kind of, that was kind of my reaction. I think I sent you that video. That was kind of, that drew a good gracious from me. Um, it was... Uh, it was a pretty bizarre scene because they had all of these little caricatures of space aliens. And they had a, even a little tiny house. I have never read anywhere that space aliens are supposed to be like insect size, but that's what it would have taken to fit into this house. Anyway, she's been getting away with this and make making a really nice living for a long time. So uh, I give her all the credit in the world. So if you're ever out and Southeast Colorado, check them out. Uh, how, wait, John, how many UFO sightings in how many years? 30 in her 23 years on the job. Oh, wow. So more than one per year. I, I, I'd be curious to know the year to year. Like, does she ever go through like a three-year drought and then have like four in one year? You know, is well, she an all-star every year or is she an MVP some years and then slumps in others? I think because of the lack of competition, she's an all-star every year. However, it would have been easy. I didn't ask that question, Adam. You're such a good reporter. You ask all the right questions. Well, well if I if I average more than one UFO sighting per year, once I got to Christmas, if I didn't have one that year, I would think yeah. I got to knock one out before this year's well, over. Well, the way this thing works uh, from my uh, – just a quick perusal. I would say if she had to come up with the UFO in a matter of minutes, she see, she could. I said, what are the characteristics you look for in a UFO? Sudden change, uh, which Butch Jones talked about a lot. Sudden change. So you see uh, something, an object moving very fast, and then either quickly stops or moves in another direction. Said a plane wouldn't couldn't do that or it would explode. And I told her, well, I used to run track and I ran so fast I thought I was going to explode at some times. She didn't wasn't amused by that, didn't even blink and moved on. She's all about UFOs and she keeps a book, a directory, if you will, uh, of all the UFO sightings. And she's been interviewed by a number of legitimate reporters and in, in media. 
So they have lots and they have sudden change. That's yeah. yeah. So do helicopters. And they can stop it's a, place a, a lightning bugs, or lightning bugs a do that, or as the rest <laughs> of the country call them fireflies. Uh, well, your your lightning bug could be her UFO. Yeah. How's her depth perception? If she saw something that was a quarter of a centimeter wide, would she know that's not something ten thousand uh, feet in the air? Vision is probably not her strong point. Uh, there seemed to be something wrong with her left eye. That that explains the thirty sightings and in 23 years. But John, since you've, uh, you've been ex chasing UFOs, I'm going to give you a minute to extra, extra moment to ponder where you'd put Josh Heupel in your ranking of SEC coaches. And we'll, we'll have Adam bat lead off here. And, and I'm guessing that most realistic lists are probably going to have Kirby smart and Nick Saban and some version of one or two on, on the list of SEC coaches. If, if you have a different one or two, you can chime in, but otherwise we'll speed past those one or two points. And, and I think in that three and beyond range is where Hypel would probably start to enter the conversation. So Adam, what does your list look like when it comes to where you'd probably have Josh Hypel in, in your sec pecking order of coaches? Yeah. The obvious two you said at the top are, are mine. They're the obvious two. Uh, Nick Saban's the best of all time. Kirby Smart is the best currently. Um, I think you can put those two guys in the hat and shake it up and whatever you pull out, you get, you get the best of the best. Um, beyond that, I would have, uh, I would have Josh Hopple number four out of the 14 coaches. Um, I would have Brian Kelly ahead of him. I would have Lane Kiffin behind him. And I guess I come to those conclusions um maybe a little differently um i think brian kelly is an older version of of josh hopple i think at the end of both of their careers josh hopple could be ahead of brian kelly but brian kelly won at central michigan he won at an elite level at cincinnati he won at notre dame and now in one season he's had a pretty good turnaround at lsu i know tennessee fans that you know, the Vols went down there. I was there and, and stomped LSU in Baton Rouge. That was his first year. And the year ended up being pretty good. But he's done this, and he's won at, at, at a high level at multiple schools. Josh Hopple did it at Central Florida, and now he's doing it at a very high level at Tennessee. So fast forward the clock a few years, and, and Josh Hopple could be what Brian Kelly is now. Um, that's why I would give Brian Kelly the edge right now. He's done it for longer. I'd put him ahead of Lane Kiffin, and then beyond that, probably well, ahead of Hugh Freeze. I, I think Hopple, Kiffin, and Hugh Freeze, if you just take away all the stuff that's off the field and their personalities and all that and just say football coach, I think those three guys are sort of in the same bucket. Um, they're three guys that are very innovative as play callers, as offensive minds, Um I think Josh Hopple is just better at it than Hugh Freeze. And, you know, Lane Kiffin, I think he's he's pretty similar. I, I just asked myself this. If I was starting a program, a college program tomorrow, if I was coming in as an athletic director at fill-in-the-blank school, and I was going to hire a coach between those three, because that's what I'm judging, who would I take? I would take Josh Hopple over Lane Kiffin. I would take Josh Hopple over Hugh Freeze. I think what you're getting at Hopple is – the absolute best at a thing, which I've said on this pod before, if you're the absolute best in college football at a thing, 
and that's offense with him, then you, you've you've really got something. And I think he's better offensively at developing quarterbacks. I think he's better as a play caller. I think he's better at developing offense, slightly better than Lane Kiffin and Hugh Free. So I would have I would have Josh Heupel behind Saban, Kirby Smart, and Brian Kelly. And so I would have him at number four ahead of Kiffin, Hugh Freeze in the field. All right. So you, you got him at number four. You mentioned, I, I feel like there's like sort of six candidates for that spot behind Kirby and Saban or Saban and Kirby, depending on how you order the one, two. You mentioned four of them in, in some order of Brian Kelly, Josh Heupel, Lane Kiffin, Hugh Freeze. I think two more I would think. I would throw out there before I go to John Jimbo Fisher. I know Jimbo Fisher is not looking real good right now, but he does have the national championship on the resume. He nearly took Texas A&M to the playoffs in 2020. He had that number one ranked recruiting class in 2022. Maybe last year was a blip in the radar and or, or blip in the journey. And, and Jimbo gets things rolling again. This season, I realize in this moment, Jimbo's not looking real great. The other one, and I think this one is favored a little bit more by the national media than than by boots on the ground people that cover the SEC. But Mark Stoops always gets a lot of credit for what he's done at Kentucky. He's Kentucky's best coach since Bear Bryant. Now, granted, it's a pretty low bar, but he's done it much better than than many many of the coaches that came before him at Kentucky. What we don't know is how Mark Stoops would do at another SEC program where the expectations are higher than what Kentucky's are. So with that in mind, John, I want to send it to, to you and see if you have Hypo higher, lower, or the same as Adam on, on your list of SEC coaches. Well, uh, Al, Adam and I pretty much concur on UFOs and their rankings. Uh, Obviously, Saban and Kirby Smart are uh, in a class by themselves, the top college football. Uh, I would probably have Brian Kelly of LSU third. Uh, based on everything he's done, as Adam pointed out, he's won wherever he's been. He's an offensive-minded guy, and he made a quick fix at LSU and won. He won the – I know he lost substantially to Tennessee, but he won the SEC West – that's a, a very challenging thing to do, uh, and he won that in his first season. Really flipped that roster quickly with transfers. He's done a good job recruiting. Uh, yeah, he's he's definitely right up there. And he's been to he you know he made the playoffs a couple of times with Notre Dame. Uh, Josh Heupel four. I've got him four also because I think, as Adam pointed out. There's nobody better at offense right now, and I think he has the right demeanor for coaching in today's game, and it's an offensive-minded era, and that's his forte as well. Uh, I would as I would rather have him than Lane Kiffin, uh, just like Adam said. Jimbo Fisher, I, I rank higher because of what he's done overall. I'm not ready to write him off, but the thing about Jimbo Fisher at one point, he was considered an offensive guru, a quarterback guru, just like Lane Kiffin, and as as Josh Heupel has become known. Uh, but his offense is struggling terrible. It's as though he, he's falling behind offensively. So that's why I would, but I would, and I would have Hugh Freeze right in that area too. 
Mark Stoops uh, below those below all those guys. I know he's done a nice job at Kentucky, but um, so I, I mean, I Heupel, um to be fourth on this list is a, is quite a compliment because you've got some national championship coaches you're comparing him to. So Adam had Heupel four, Kiffin five, right, John? You have Heupel four. Who's your Who's your number five? I would probably have Kiffin five too, and then I would put uh, I would put Jimbo six. But if he has another year like last year, then and Hugh Freeze does well at Auburn, I would change that. But those to me, um, I don't know of anybody else that would kind of fit in that area. Sam Pittman's doing okay at uh, Arkansas. Dropped off a little last year. I like what Shane Beamer's done at South Carolina. He surprised me. Maybe he's an up-and-comer. Eli Drinkowitz, well, eh. um, The less said, nothing. the better. Yeah, no, no need going into depths there. So, yeah, I think we're pretty much concur on that. Are we missing anybody? Um, trying to think, uh, going through the divisions. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we're missing any candidates. I, I'm yeah. going to throw in a little variety here. Okay. I, I, have, I have no argument with, with you guys at Brian Kelly, number three. Tennessee fans may not like that based on the head-to-head result last year, but I think Adam makes good points about Brian Kelly's, uh, the, the reality that he's won everywhere he's ever been, dating all the way back to when he was a national championship winning coach at Division II Grand Valley State. He wins the SEC West and beats Alabama in year one on the job. I think he would be you know, pretty tough to unseat in this moment from that number three spot. I would, The one thing I would do, and I don't have a huge argument uh, against what you guys have, but I would flip Lane Kiffin and Josh Heupel. I would have Kiffin four and Heupel five on my list. The last two seasons, Kiffin and Heupel have the same record. They're both 18 and eight in, in their last two years. Uh, Heupel maybe is, is looking better in this moment because he's coming off the 11 and two season a year ago. You know, you would have, I think undeniably probably gone with Kiffin. He was coming off the the Sugar Bowl season with Matt Corral. I give the edge to Kiffin because he's done it a little bit longer at the Power 5 level. You know, he's going into year four at Ole Miss. He also coached Southern Cal, and you can say, well, you know, he he got fired from Southern Cal. He did. Uh, I also think he was in a tough situation there, what he stepped into coming on, on the heels of Pete Carroll and the NCAA situation with that program. And uh, Kiffin's just got a little bit more, I think, on paper than what Heupel does at this juncture. Kiffin won the head-to-head in Neyland Stadium a couple years ago. I I think it's pretty close. It's splitting hairs, as Adam pointed out. You're getting a similar type of coach, an offensive-minded coach who runs the up-tempo system, sort of the Art Bryles-esque offense that Bryles ran at Baylor. Kiffin's doing it a little better in the transfer portal. Tennessee's recruiting at a higher level, which you would expect as compared to Ole Miss. So, yeah, I would just flip those two. I'd, I'd have Kiffin for Hypo 5, which I know Tennessee fans uh, would, would have a bone to pick with that. Blake, so you mentioned they have the same record the last two years. If you flip-flop them, Josh Hopple's coached the last two years at Ole Miss and – 
Kiffin at Tennessee the last two years? How do those records change? Well, I actually think that's a point in favor of Kiffin coaching in the tougher, what is perceived as the tougher division. Now, I think you could have made a case last year that the East was actually a smidge better than the West. And, and Heupel has the feather in the cap in that he has the win over Nick Saban in Alabama last season. But I think overall, um, I think Ole Miss is maybe a, a slightly tougher place to win at being in the West than what Tennessee is. Although if you would have looked at the previous decade before Josh Heupel arrived at Tennessee, that wouldn't been, have been the case, right? Ole Miss had a better record, uh, you know, during, during that stretch of time than what Tennessee did. So again, I think it's a, probably a really close argument between these two at this moment. I think an interesting question is how can, can Josh Heupel penetrate that top three or like in your case, what you're saying four? I was uh, before the pod. I I looked at uh, somebody else's list. I don't know if it's CBS sports or Athlon or one of those and uh, make sure I got all 14 coaches. Uh, you have to remember who Zach Arnett is before you start this list. <laughs> uh, but they had, Th- this list had Josh Heupel making the largest jump from their rankings last year to this year. I think it was like from like 10 to five or something like that. And and so the question is, if he is fourth or fifth, what would he have to do to move up? And is, is it, is it more likely he would drop down? Because I, I tend to think if they, let's say if they win 10 wins again, I, I, if unless if Brian Kelly is also winning, I don't think he gets past Brian Kelly. Um, but if Brian Kelly drops off and you know LSU goes seven and five and Tennessee goes ten and ten and two, then maybe you could flip flop them a little bit. I just think it, I'm not saying Josh Hopple is topped out, but once you get on the heels of Nick Saban and Kirby Smart, I'm not sure. And maybe even Brian Kelly, how much higher can you go without getting to a playoff or winning the national title? Do our uh... Do our rankings change if you disregard history pretty much and just say right now, not based on a career at all, but just right now, if you were hiring a coach at anywhere university, do you think those rankings change at all? Or would you still have, I mean, Nick Saban's older, that's a factor, but otherwise that would be probably the only way you would change those rankings, I would think. If I'm hiring for one contract, like let's say whatever coach I hire, I get that coach for five years. Um, I'm taking Kirby Smart one. I'm taking Brian Kelly two, and I'm taking Josh Hopple three. Whoa, Nick Saban. You don't want him for the next five years? No. Holy smokes. The next hey, he's two, yesterday's news. Huh? The next two years, yes. The next five, no. I, I, I don't think the cliff is coming, but I think uh, I think within the next five years we'll see we'll see a measurable decline. Well, there's the uh, headline for the podcast. Adam Sparks, I take Josh Heupel over Nick Saban right now. <laughs> In year five. <laughs> well, we don't need to add that. That might not fit the headline, Adam. Adam, you mentioned how Hypo is climbing the charts in some of these lists. I was uh, I was commissioned by our brass the last two years 
to put together a one through 14 rankings list, which I think maybe I'll, I'll do again this year, even though no one has commissioned me to do it. No one has told me not to do it either. Uh, but I went back and found my list. So from, from 2021, so this would have been Hypel entering his first year at Tennessee. He'd been the coach you know, for three years, three winning seasons at UCF, although his UCF teams had trended down in record. I had Hypel number 11 in my list of SEC coaches at that point, which you know might sound bizarre now, but I think if we dial the clock back two years, he was unproven. Uh, as an SEC coach, I think 11 was probably about right. The, the thing that looks kind of silly now is I had Brian Harson uh, ahead of him on my list. Whoops. But Harson had won before then. Harson had been at Boise State for a long time. Yes, that, that was sort of my my thinking there. So I had I had Hypel at 11 going into his first season. I had him at number nine on my list going into last season. So I think you made this point, Adam, and, and my list is, is a direct reflection of that, of how much he has climbed year over year. He has probably improved his standing uh, in the eyes of folks who cover college football as much as any coach in this conference. I had him at number nine on my list last year. I've got him at number five in the SEC right now. You guys made the case for him to be number four. I don't have a huge argument with that, so however, whichever way you look at it, he's he's climbed about four or five spots, I think, on the charts in the SEC, which that's about as good as you can do, I think, from from one year to the next. And and Adam, as you pointed out, I think it gets a little more difficult now. Whether you view him at four or five, it gets a little more difficult to climb into that like top three list. I think. Yeah, and I think the reason, if you just put records and stats and all that aside, I think the reason that he's climbed so much so quickly. Um, it, it is a cup. There's a couple of indicators there. Number one, you know, absolutely for certain what his impact is. I mean, there are coaches around college where you say it's a good program. It's a successful program. Obviously the guy at the top should get the most credit, but you don't have to guess what type of, what, you know, how Josh Hopple impacts things. It's, it's, it's all offense. The fact that they're the number one offense in the country, he, he's the number one guy that produces that. So that's number one, how he's climbed so quickly. And, uh, and number two is, is I guess, a compliment to Tennessee's capacity of its program now is that you're at a place where you can get to in the conversation of the playoff, that you can get to 11 wins. I mean, Mark Stoops, how high can Mark Stoops go at Kentucky? I mean, he's, he you know, as long as he's doing what he's doing, he's, you know, six or seven or whatever. But Mark Stoops is not going to get to three because Kentucky's not going to win 11 games. And But if as long as he's solid as he's been, he's not going to drop down to 10 or 11 because you always say, hey, you know, Mark Stoops does a lot with, with what he has. But it's a compliment to Tennessee to some extent that this isn't a job where you can be Butch Jones and, wow, what a great job. He won nine games. Didn't think that could be done. Um, Tennessee is a job where you can get to double digit wins and stay there. And so I, I think there's a, there was a, uh, there was an opportunity there and Josh Hopple filled it as well as anybody could. I think when you look at what few few coaches have done as much with as little as Hypel has done in two seasons at Tennessee, you go back to his first season, the program just went three and seven under Jeremy Pruitt. It had virtually no offense. He has to hypo has to come in, find a new quarterback, four man competition, find a new quarterback. He has to replace 
10 starters uh, left, uh, dove into the transfer portal. His roster is greatly depleted. Um, so he has to deal with all that. And that was not, that was not a, a bountifully talented team he had, yet he had a winning season. And as Adam points out, his offense, he averaged close to 40 points a game. And that was way more than I thought that talent should have produced. I mean, that was really overachieving, I thought. And then he comes back last year, and uh, I don't think he had the same kind of talent as Alabama did, but he beat Alabama, and he thrashed LSU. I just think he is he has proved that his system is, is about as good as it gets right now and that he knows how to run that system. And so I think when you look at Tennessee – and you look at you say, well, they lost these guys. I don't know how good they'll be, but you don't worry so much so much about what they lost because you just know Tennessee is going to score a high number of points in every game. And if you can't score, you're not going to be able to beat them. If you can't produce a lot of offense, it would be really hard to beat a hypo team. Yeah, and you know, as we look at the trajectory of of Heupel's career. Again, Tennessee fans may not like these comparisons, but to this point, it's been sort of similar to what Kiffin's trajectory had been at Ole Miss. In year one at Ole Miss, you know, Kiffin was hired at Ole Miss a year before Heupel got to Tennessee. And in year one, Ole Miss went five and five, Kiffin's first season. Uh, that was against a Power Five only schedule. That was that was the pandemic year. Uh, Ole Miss had one game canceled because of COVID that season, I believe. Um, they finished five and five. They beat Indiana in a bowl game. Well, then year two, Ole Miss goes to a New Year's Six game. They play in the Sugar Bowl. Then you look at Josh Heupel. Year one, much like Kiffin in year one, he exceeded expectations a little bit. Tennessee went seven and six. Then year two, he goes to the New Year's Six Bowl. Difference being, Tennessee won the Orange Bowl, whereas Ole Miss lost in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, in Kiffin's second season. Now, what happens in year three? You know, Kiffin in year three at Ole Miss went eight and five. They were okay, but it was a step back. They really fizzled at the end of the season, struggled against the tougher teams on the schedule. I think, and I know Hypo's already ahead of Kiffin on your guys' list, but for me, he can pass Kiffin by what he does in in this season. You know, is is there that step back like Ole Miss had last year where they regressed to eight and five? If Tennessee wins 10 plus games again this year. He's moving into my top four. And I wonder, you know, depending on what LSU does, if he would have a chance of, of moving into your guys's top three uh, based on whether he can can follow it up with another double digit win season this year. Well, I do think Heupel and Kiffin are meant for sort of this moment in college football. And by that, obviously offense and the, the type of offense they run, they could win now and they could win five, six, seven years ago. Uh, 20 years ago, neither of these coaches are as successful as they are now. Or maybe they would be if you just dropped them in there because they would be unlike any, anything anybody else is running. But th they're meant more for this moment than any other uh, than any other era in college football. Um I mean, I'll, I'll go back to what I said before. I think Hopple, it's a lot easier. I, I think Tennessee's going to be pretty good this year, and I've said on the pod before, I think they're going to win about nine games, Citrus Bowl level 
season. I think they're going to have a really good season, not as great as last year, but a really good season. There, there's a better chance that Hypel could drop back a spot or two than there is that he could move up because the, those top three, my top three, is just so difficult to penetrate there. You, you've, you've really got to repeat last season and say this is a perennial playoff contender for you to get anywhere near Kirby Smart and Nick Saban and, and, and really to challenge Brian Kelly because Brian Kelly's done it for a long, long time. I mean, you know, I know it was like, what, a year ago or less than a year ago that we were all chuckling about Brian Kelly and how awkward he was in Baton Rouge, but uh, he, he, he wins absolutely everywhere, and Hopple has won in two places. Now, if, if Hopple can win back-to-back years at the level that he did, he can move up, but it's, it's easier to see them going eight and four and him dropping back a spot or two, I think, than them going 11 and one, 10 and two, and him having a chance. And I don't even know if that would move him up past Brian Kelly, because Brian Kelly would also have to falter in the, in the West. When we, uh, when we talk about Hypel making such a big leap, and uh, I think it's worth noting a big leap in salary too. He more than doubled his salary this year. I think he's up to 9 million and something, isn't it? So is there, is there another coach in this league that, we're not really talking about that that's below the top five. Is there somebody that, that we think could make a big jump? If you had to pick somebody in the next couple of years who might a coach who's uh you know who would be perceived quite differently in a better way in the next couple of years, is there anybody to pick there? Is that just who knows kind of thing? Hugh Freeze. I think Hugh Freeze can make a jump. Um I mean I've already got him what middle of the pack right now but if he if he recruits well and um <laughs> you have to chuckle a little bit that at him recruiting well because of what went on in old miss but if he recruits well his offense is going to be good um hugh freeze I, I feel like has to just show that what he has done before is the norm for him because when things were going at Ole Miss, they were really going. And he's a guy that could beat Nick Saban. And, you know, Liberty, I know, is a half a step down, but Liberty was really good. Hugh Freeze is a really, really good football coach. And so if he does it early on and gets it rolling early on at Auburn, then you'll say everything that Hugh Freeze has done up to this point is is the norm for him. And then he, he then belongs with uh, with Hopel and Kiffin, and I'm already kind of putting him into the maybe the bottom of that bucket. But I think Hugh Freeze can make a jump. I'm not saying that he is, but he's enough of a known quantity that if he wins at Auburn, people will say, ah, I've seen that before. Yeah, that's that's the same coach I would have mentioned. Like I would have said, Hugh Freeze, if I had to pick somebody that would could quickly jump up the ranks, I would pick Hugh Freeze. Are we saying Jimbo is a fluke then? Is well, no, yeah, I'd, I'd throw out two more. Jimbo was the one that came to my mind because just a year ago, uh, I think Jimbo probably would have undoubtedly been in the top four or five sure. before, you know, he, this miserable season last year. And if you would have gone back the year before that on the heels of that 2020 pandemic season where Texas A&M went nine and one, Jimbo would have been number three on almost every list of SEC coaches behind Saban and Kirby. I think if he puts last year behind him, you know, Texas A&M goes something like a nine and three this year. I think Jimbo can move back into the top five of SEC coaches. Uh, and, and Shane, I agree with you, Freeze. But one more I would put in that category is Shane Beamer at South Carolina. 
I could see this being sort of the ceiling for Shane Beamer, and he kind of slides down the list. Or if it's not the ceiling, you know, he beat Tennessee last November, beat Clemson last November. If they springboard that forward and have something like a nine and nine and three type regular season this year, I could see you know Shane Beamer to start knocking on the door of, of the top five in SEC coaches. He, he's kind of that that swing guy for me, or he could. He could tumble a lot or, or he could climb a lot, I think, based on what happens this year. I like another way of judging any of these coaches, but it will, will stay on Heupel, um with a, with a point that John was making earlier in the pod, um, which is how are they now in this moment, not historically, not their whole careers, at right now. And ask yourself with Josh Heupel especially – how many there's how many how many FBS teams are there now? Like one thirty one, I think. One thirty one. One thirty one. How many of those one thirty? Well, take Tennessee out of it. How many of the other one thirty would not drop their coach right now if they could have Josh Heupel? How many wouldn't do that? I mean that uh, well, Alabama wouldn't, Georgia wouldn't, LSU wouldn't. Any others in SEC? Maybe Ole Miss wouldn't. They, they they may think Kiffin's going to leave eventually anyway, but how many outside the SEC would not say, I'll trade my my coach for Josh Heupel? Michigan? Michigan, Ohio State. Ohio State. Clemson, Southern Cal. Probably. Liz, probably list is pretty few. short, yeah. right? Yeah. Sure. Utah, maybe. Um, yeah, I think that's a – when you look at a way to judge coaches – one way to do it, and, and then during our conversation, it sort of come up. We look at Hugh Freeze. Okay, he won double digits in a year against at Ole Miss, but he beat Nick Saban twice. And I just think that really raises his ranking. It, it He's viewed differently because of that. And Josh Heupel beat Alabama, beat Nick Saban last year. Uh Shane Beamer uh, won those games, as Blake pointed out. He beat t- he beat top ten teams back to back with what looked like a very uh, pedestrian team. He beat just routed Tennessee, and then followed that up with beating Clemson. I mean, you look at his roster and you say there's no reason he should have done these coaches that can win meaningful games. To me, that really raises their stock, and Hugh Freeze has done that, and. Even though we kind of dismissed Jimbo, look what AM did to LSU last year. I mean, but that's again why I think what separates Josh Hoppo in the short term from like a Mark Stoops. That I mean, if 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 Tennessee had won 11 games last year, but it did, it did not include beating Nick Saban, we would not put Josh Hoppo up this high. Um, and had they not beaten Clemson, we wouldn't put Josh Hoppo up this high, even with the same record. Uh, Mark Stoops has done double-digit wins before, but you don't think of him necessarily as a guy that will knock off national title contending teams. You think of him as somebody who can get to nine or ten wins, doing a really good job coaching, but taking advantage of a weaker schedule and just getting to the number more than the more than how meaningful the number is. All right, guys, we will leave it there for now. And and pretty soon we're going to leave list season behind and uh, get to college football season. SEC Media Days is next week in Nashville. 
Adam will have the beat coverage of that event. Josh Heupel will go on the final day on Thursday. You can also find uh, John and I's commentary over at knoxnews.com. And we will be back with you soon right here on the Volunteer State.